Welcome to Never Meet Your Idols, a podcast where your idols get real, whether you like, like, it, like it or, or not. not. season finale of season two this is episode 10 we're your hosts i'm kure and i'm laura mary and i just confuse myself by saying all that episode 10 of season two <laughs> it's the last episode of season two is what i'm yes. trying to say and i think it is also episode 10 and before we forget we do have a patreon that we we need to start talking about because yeah. we're terrible at that People are always asking for longer versions and more video. Yeah. So on our Patreon, it's just never meet your idols on Patreon. You can join and there is access to exclusive video and audio and longer episodes. Also, what else? Oh, and there's also going to be exclusive content. Like this is the last episode of this season, but we are going to do Patreon only bonus episodes yeah we are on break just like the response of like everyone wants videos and everyone wants extra stuff so yeah if you want extra stuff you gotta pay for it it's only like five dollars <laughs> but yeah <laughs> don't complain you know it's a lot of work for us and so it's a lot it's, of work um, yeah and it's and this is not we can't afford to have passion projects guys yeah I mean we've got enough of that as, it, as it's going on our careers are basically yeah projects. <laughs> as musicians come on yeah. So we're doing something totally different today. We're having on not a musician, um, director and filmmaker Zach Snyder, who is huge and yeah, many has many, many fans all over the world. Millions. It's kind of crazy. It's actually bigger than I even realized. He did Justice League. He also did 300. He did Watchmen, Dawn of the Dead. He did Army of the Dead. Wonder Woman, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. That I've never seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be cool to talk to somebody who's not a musician, though. He uses a lot of music in his movies. So I think he will probably have stories about musicians. Yeah. We should note last episode when we announced that he was going to be a guest at the end, before you knew who he was, you recorded his name and I had to re record it. <laughs> Because you said, <laughs> he said, he said, next, next episode, we welcome Zach Schneider. <laughs> like, that, what? like a schnitzel? <laughs> well, you know, I spent a lot of time in Germany and it's obviously, you know, rubbing off on me. Yeah, I wanted to that? leave it, but I was like, everyone's going to be like, how could you get that wrong? But it was pretty amazing. It, it was so weird because I, I don't know where that came from, but I love it. <laughs> Well, here he is, Zach Schneider. <laughs> Here's your idol, Zach Schneider. Oh, hi. Thanks for coming on to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really throwing you a bone. It's a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Your, your career needs a lot of help right now. So <laughs> we're doing you a big favor by having you on. You're welcome. Thank God. <laughs> Hopefully I have a lot of time reserved next week or whenever this comes out. You're going to blow up. I have to just set time aside. <laughs> oh, that's probably going to happen. So Zach, this is my co-host, Laura, in England. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi, Laura. I'm rearranging my office. Sorry, it's a mess back there. Oh, yeah. You said you were rearranging your furniture. You have, you have a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> 
was just going to say, you guys, you obviously, you kind of know each other a bit. Like, how do you guys know each other? Uh, we have a mutual fan, friend named of Larry Fong. Great cinematographer, and, Larry Fong. And magician. And ma an incredible magician. Wow. And um, I was searching for uh, a, a, a Freckles um, freckle uh, reference. And he goes, I know someone who has really great freckles. And that's right. yeah, you do. You do have really good freckles. I was like, yes, those are perfect freckles. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I called out of the blue. How random. Larry, he's like, my friend Zach um is making a doll. He could really use your freckles as a reference. Can I connect you guys? And I had no idea who Zach was. Um, I didn't know who he was until like a month ago, really. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. That says nothing about you. I'm so out of the loop. Like I only watch Abel Ferreira movies and reruns of Cheers. But um, <laughs> not missing much else. <laughs> Cinema hasn't evolved much. Well, you're you're helping it right along, I guess. Oh, that's kind. That's kind. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool that I said, hey, could you person you barely know, could you send me some pictures <laughs> of your freckles? <laughs> I thought he was just some indie artist doing some weird project with a life-size sex doll. I'm like, yeah, okay. You want to use my freckles for reference? Sure. <laughs> That's exactly what I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that says more about you or me. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm down. No problem. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a cool, kind of like minds. Yeah. So have you ever met your idol? And what is the story? Um, well, one of my idols, and it, it's kind of interesting because uh, I, I, when I grew up, I was like a huge fan of um, this book um, called Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And then this, another book written by the same guy, Richard Bach called Illusions. And Illusions was really like, it's kind of a family book. You know, our family would all, we all read it and we all loved it. And then he wrote another book called One and a bunch of other, he's written a bunch of books and he's, you know, relatively famous author. And um, I, at one point was like, I should make a movie of illusions. You know, this was when I was like, I think it was like right after Watchmen, I, I was starting to think about making a movie of illusions. And um, we made an inquiry and I was in Vancouver and Richard came, we met at this hotel. And um, so I thought like, oh, you know what? People are just people that you can't be that smart, you know, or that good. Um, and he was so kind and so insightful about everything. But the thing that's really crazy was like, he would send an email, right? And he's such a good writer that like his emails would be like these, I was like, someone should publish these emails. These emails are like, like I never wanted to write back because I was like, oh gee, I'd sit there and go like, oh, like everything I'm, everything sounds pretty dumb in comparison. Um, so yeah, so I would say Richard is one of my idols, and my experience was really, it was really, it was it was really beautiful. Although I did have a run in when I was growing up, and I, oh, you know, I can't, I, I don't want to say who it is. Come on, you pussy. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, um, uh, okay, so there's a, there's this, have you ever seen, there's these ski films. Warren Miller is this guy who makes ski films. And when I was growing up, one of the big things would be, oh, you gotta go see the Warren Miller ski movie. And it, they would, basically the way it would work is in the fall, the movies would come out 
and you travel around to get everyone hyped up on the ski season because I was a big skier. And so when I was at college, my friend, um, uh, her dad was Warren Miller. And so we were like, this is amazing. We're going to get like, she's like, you get to go meet Warren after the show. So we went, it was at the Pasadena Convention Center. And um, we, we, the movie was very classic Warren Miller. You can YouTube like Warren, I guess is on you. I don't know where, but like, you know, it's like this really dry narration that he does of like, well, they would ski down the hill and like, whatever. And it's kind of funny, but it's also supposed to be just awesome shots of skiing. Yeah. You know, it was like, and like, I guess the way they would do it is like, he would shoot all winter and then they would prepare the film in the summer and then it would be ready. And they just did it every year, year after year. It's like, a, and they would go to on the circuit. And so I'm, so we watched the movie and I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Like ski movies, so cool. So I go and I meet him and he says to me, um, so he's like, well, what do you do? What do you want to be? Like what, like my daughter's in film school. What do you, what do you, uh, what, what part of the film business are you interested in? And I was like, oh, I want to be a director. And he was like, who do you think you are? You really fucking think you're going to be a director? Like you little fucking, <laughs> like, it was like really intense. And I was like, yeah. And I remember like, I watched out. Yeah, he was just like, do you know how hard that is? Do you know like how many people want to do that job? Do you, what do you, like, you're special? Like literally gave me a lecture about, and I'll say on one hand, it did sort of make me go like, okay, I really got to, yeah. I got to step it up. But on the other hand, I felt like I just got punched <laughs> in the gut by like, you know, like this guy, like my whole life, I've been like, Warren Miller movies are awesome. This guy, boom, on my old, like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Have you um, talked to him yeah. since? Yeah, since? No, never talked to him again. Just got crushed by him and he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Well, joke's on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it was like you know it might have been a little bit of a whiplash moment where he's like, you know, <laughs> do better, kid. Yeah. Maybe you owe everything yeah. to him. Actually, I, I, <laughs> that's what he's telling people. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. <laughs> um, do you have any stories of because we sort of mostly talk about music normally on here, and I just wondered if you had like met any musicians that were idols or bands you'd met or something to do with music yeah you know I met it, weirdly you know when I got out of film school I did a bunch of music videos I, I was kind of a music video director for a while and um I think me Morrissey I was a big Morrissey fan and doing the video for Morrissey and that that whole thing was really it was it was really like I'm like what am I like what video did you do I did a video for a song called Tomorrow uh, in the south of France. Oh, cool. it, um, it's really because black and white, it's really cool. Um, and right through there, and like that was crazy, you know, because Morrissey's a weirdo. And so it was just like, it's exactly as I thought it would be. Um, and um, I did um, a Paul Westerberg video then. I did uh, all these kind of like sort of cool, fringy indie dudes I was like the guy for a little bit and um yeah so that was it was really everybody was awesome I think the most bizarro um the most bizarro one like I did um well 
you know, I, I had done, I was, a, I was a big Bruce Springsteen fan growing up when I was, and so this, his guitar player, Nils Lofgren, wrote a song called Valentine and they did a duet on it. And this was like, even before, this was like one of my really low budget videos. I was like right out of film school. Like literally, I had nothing on my reel. Wow. And Nils was like, oh, I need to do this video, you know? And I was like, it's, and he had no money. Like, no budget. I think zero budget. And I was like, yeah, that, I mean, I don't like, fuck yes, I'll happy, love to do it. So then they're like, okay, we're doing it. And I'm, I'm, sh I'm shooting with my friend and we're like, go to the desert with Nils and he's playing his guitar and everything. And well, but right before that, I was like, well, he goes, it's a duet. And I'm like, well, who's, who's the other person? <laughs> he goes, well, it's Bruce. Bruce sings the other part. And I'm like, and there's no budget. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, well, is, is Bruce going to be in the video? Because I, I, I was like, you know, I was like, well, I get, we, I think we'd shot the B-roll already, you know, all the like kind of Bolex, black and white, you know, we shot all that stuff. And we were going to do the performance part. And I was like, is Bruce going to, is Bruce is coming to this? Because we were like in this silly little warehouse, you know, I had like, you know, and then he goes, oh yeah, and Ringo Starr is going to play the drums. Because Ringo said, what? Ringo play the drum. Did he, he was like, show up too? Yeah, it was like this dirty warehouse. Yeah. And Ringo was like, oh, my son's name's Zach, you know? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was cool because Bruce um, didn't have his guitar. Right. So he just air guitar. No, no, he, he forgot it. Oh. <laughs> it's like you know, his famous guitar, you know, the, the beat up. guitar. Yeah. And so we were like, Bruce, there's some, we have a bunch of guitars because Nils has so many guitars, right? Like it's like, there's like a literally a pile of guitars, like all, you know, and everybody's giving him guitars because he's so awesome. The boss. Yeah. And so Bruce is like, well, you know, I don't really, I kind of have the one guitar and I don't really. And so we were like, look at this car. And he's like starting to pick up the guitars, the different guitars. Like he's like, there's this red guitar is beautiful. He, and he was kind of had it. He was kind of playing it and kind of like digging it. And then they showed up with his guitar and he like put it down really fast. Kind of like, he didn't want to see his guitar. <laughs> he didn't want his guitar seeing him holding another guitar. It was like this really weird. He's like, ah, that And he was like that redhead. <laughs> I almost got, I almost got caught with that redhead. It's like, <laughs> amazing. <that's hilarious. laughs> I know. I was like, that's. <laughs> Have you found that musicians or actors are more difficult to work with? Um, you know, I think it's, I think I haven't really had a bad experience or necessarily like with actors or musicians. Wow. Lucky you. <laughs> Don't brag. <laughs> I'm not really bad. Like, like everybody's got, you know, you can catch them on a bad yeah, day. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you don't hold it and as long as like you know they can over time prove out that that's not like kind of who they are yeah you know, i've had that experience a lot where i thought like oh geez and then like oh no that's they're 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 actually they're actually okay. yeah but um yeah like i i feel like my experience with the with musicians has always been much more like um well i'm just like fascinated by musicians anyway i like like what i'm not that musical, I can like maybe play the harmonica a little bit. Um, one song, um, Amazing Grace, a little bit. Do you have a harmonica right there? Uh, yeah, I do. Let's, let's hear it. We'll judge you. <laughs> a 
That's all you have. Anyway. <laughs> okay, it's pretty good. I can play it better when I'm not under this pressure. Yeah, of course. Sure you can. <laughs> do you have like a favorite band growing up or like what kind of music do you actually like? Just not- I would be huge. I was weirdly a huge culture club fan growing up. They were like, wow. Yeah, I wouldn't I was like, really, I was really, even now, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just, I, I just, yeah. I just love culture club. And if you look, if you notice almost in a lot of my movies, there's always a culture club song. Ah, in, I was going to say, is, have you put them in? Yeah, that's cool. Even in Army of the Dead, I think, is like in the elevators, do you really want to hurt me? So, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I went, what... to like, I went to a really strict boarding school, so I had a poster of Boy George in my in my room, and they were not. That was allowed. That was no, it was not allowed. <laughs> they were not into it. <laughs> a secret poster of Boy George hidden in your bedroom. Well, it was sort of like the time I, I had it out, and then they maybe put it away, and I put it inside my closet, and they were like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> yeah, the same thing happened in my boarding school. I had a poster of The Exorcist. And they kept telling me to take it down. I was like, what? There's not even anything on this picture that's... Yes, but it's the devil's work. Exactly. Yeah, it's the devil. Bring the devil into the girls' dorm. That's me. It's a lot of responsibility, by the way. (laughs) true. We definitely need the devil in the girls' dorm. (laughs) It's just whoever that ambassador is has to be really... It was me. (laughs) Always. Always me. You've used, like, entire songs in your movies which is different I don't you know usually it's just snips and clips what's your I mean is that from being a music video director that you I think so I really love I mean you know like I use them mostly in the title sequences I've done and um, when we did Watchmen uh, well actually when we did Dawn of the Dead really and we had and we and I used when the man comes around that the Johnny Cash. I'm a huge Johnny Cash fanatic as well. Oh, cool. My son's named Cash. Oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm a really, so I really, um, I really love, I really love Johnny Cash. And so getting to use that song really and sort of set, using it to set the tone was really a cool. And I, and you know, while I'll make a little playlist for the movies, like I'll, I like make a playlist and then I used to like burn a CD for everyone and they would like, and I'd give it to them so they could like, you know, listen to it to get in the mood. Like this That's was before awesome. we made the movie. I'd be like, oh, here's the song. And um, yeah, and so, and when we did Watchmen, we actually, um, Bob Dylan gave us the, all the stems for Times They Are Changing. We had to make the song longer, right? So we literally made Times They Are Changing longer. Wow. And so we got all the stems and we had to remix it and I had these amazingly incredibly talented mixers Chris Jenkins like is genius and he he was able to mix it stems are so their stems are horrible too which is hilarious <laughs> that, that song it's they're all bleeding the tracks are all it's horrible but it was amazing <laughs> but, and we felt like hugely you know he had never given the stems yeah. to anybody and it was a huge deal so and it was really it was really an honor and and, and it worked so good in the movie that uh, we were just beyond beyond we have quite a lot of fan questions. Yeah. Oh, questions. Yeah, we, we picked a few. There is one question from um, a friend that I used to play in a band with, actually. So there is one person that oh, we know. That's cool. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. Similar to how Watchmen, 
had characters that were kind of mirrors of existing superheroes, but they were their own thing. I wondered if you'd ever thought about creating your own kind of Snyder world of uh, superheroes that are entirely yours uh, to do with whatever you want, and no one can complain about it. Uh, thank you, Ben, for the great question. But I would say that, you know, we have talked briefly about it. My, my only issue is that my biggest, you know, Watchmen did it so awesomely. You know, that comic book is so good and so clean that I've always felt like if I tried something like that, it would be, you know, some it would always be sort of a ripoff of Watchmen because it's it, that idea, that sort of deconstruction of superhero archetypes has been so nailed by that. And just like, you know, whether it be sexual neuroses or inadequacy or, you know, psychological damage in your childhood or whatever makes a superhero, <laughs> um, some sort of sexual fetish, all of those things are like, you know, explored so well in that comic book. And they're all kind of the things that I, that I like in comic books um so though it's a great idea i don't think i'll be doing it anytime soon but if you had your own characters anyone could go down on anyone because isn't there some controversy right now about batman going down on catwoman i, I don't really get it we got a lot of questions about it but i really don't know what the backstory is it just seemed like some weird fetish thing okay so this is what happened that you have something to do with <laughs> this is what happened so batman in the Harley Quinn animated series, right? They have a Harley Quinn animated series, it's adult. And apparently there was a news story where they said that, um, where they were asking the producers of the show, like, well, how, did, how does it go? And they're like, well, we had a scene, we had a scene where Batman goes down on Catwoman because it's adult. And the studio said, no, heroes don't do that, right? <laughs> definitely a man who said that <laughs> right so, and so i was able to find this piece of reference that showed that was obvious that and i posted it on twitter of batman and catwoman and i just wrote canon because you know it's canon and yesterday twitter took it down <laughs> <laughs> I will also say it is my most liked post of anything I've ever done. <laughs> so yeah, I have, I have been at the heart of that because um, everyone's like, where did you find that drawing? Like in my secret collection under my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, clearly in the comics. But I, I do think though in some ways, like ARMY and then this thing, I'm, I'm doing a new film for Netflix. And I think for me, in a lot of ways, because I wrote Army and it's kind of my own universe, in a lot of ways, it kind of is that answer. It's like, I just kind of like create like a weird zombie universe. And it's your own thing. Yeah. And those the rules in there are completely mine. Yeah. You know, I decide like, oh, it's aliens that coming into a zombie. And now we got to, you know, so and that's, and that's fun. And no one can, I mean, except for my wife, uh, Crochet on that, you know. The real boss. That means my, my wife is my producer, so it's a very uh, now all your success makes sense. Yeah. See, that's the secret. Now, all the men out there who don't listen to their girlfriends and wives, you'd be way more successful if you just did. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. The question from Marina: Do you ever get creative blocks, and if so, how do you break free of them? 
Yeah, it's, um, I think, yeah, right. Everybody, you guys probably can relate to that. Um, yeah. You know, getting like, getting stuck a little bit. I, I like to, I have like a few projects kind of going at once and whether it be photography or some little side thing, I always, I, it's, it's good to have other ways to distract yourself. You know, I write longhand on a, and I always, I'm sitting in a weird spot. You know, I always like to, I like to go to the coffee shop and write, you know, I know that sounds like cliche, but I, being at home is hard. Um, yeah. And so, but yeah. And, but when I get a block, I, I always just kind of try and just pick up another hobby or another interest. Cause I find that like, you know, when you go and um, when you, when you go and, and do something else, you can um, come back. And sometimes there's like a new way of you, you, Sort of see it from another angle. Find another way of being creative and then circle back around. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of writing, we got a question from someone named Jason asking about writers you recommend, like if you have any book suggestions. He said, Do you have any book suggestions besides The Fountainhead and Blood Meridian? Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's, a, um, that's so funny. I was like, what about Fountainhead and Blood Meridian? Well, I have a Blood Meridian tattoo. Do you? Blood Meridian is my favorite book. And Mark Lanigan, um, who is our first guest this season, it's his favorite book too. So weird. But that question like stood out to me because it's Blood Meridian and the Fountainhead and Blood Meridian's one of my favorite books of all time. And I'm going to name my firstborn Cormac, you know, but like the should. Fountainhead, I absolutely despise. <laughs> yeah, I think every movie director, they might lie and say they're not fans of Fountainhead, but they probably are only because, uh, you know, building a building and making a movie are very similar um, endeavors, you know. And so and also the the death by a thousand paper cuts um, uh process of making a movie and that you can't really do it by yourself you know you really you you have to you need the 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 what do you the, the collective to to make the movie you need your group and um anyway a lot of times you know the studio and mostly just the fact that the thing has to be sold um comes into direct conflict with your you know, idea about it. Yeah, that's the why of it. The concept, it's interesting, but I think Rand is a pretty mediocre writer. 100%. It's kind of funny because she represents exactly what she would hate, she, where it's right. like- She always said that she wanted, she, wanted her, she wanted to be Tolstoy, but like- But fell very short, <laughs> you know? Anyway, but, now I mean, I'm geeking out. Now I'm becoming no, no, a nerd. Yeah. I like it, you know, but I think that it's mythological melodrama. That's how I look at it. It's had this sort of broad appeal, but I, I kind of don't see how people relate to it beyond like architects and filmmakers. You know, like I don't- Well, there's something like of just about her than her philosophy. She's pretty, it's like pretty narcissistic that I think a lot of people can relate to being narcissistic and mediocre. All you have to, all you, yes, of course, because all you have to relate to is yourself. <laughs> your mediocre self. <laughs> but by the way, but to say that your mediocre self is like the most amazing thing in the world, you know, yeah, people would love that. <laughs> That's Hollywood. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I know, exactly. So, um, so other books, um, 
I'm a big, I love Hemingway. I'm a big Hemingway fan. Um, I really recommend also that Ken Burns documentary, um, you know, so, cause it like, you know, a lot of people have like preconceived ideas about Hemingway, like, oh, he's macho fucker. Um, but I think that like, when you really like look at his life and understand him and then, you know, go back and look at the work, the work is really unbelievable and, and like singular and impossible that existed and really reveals like a truth a hard truth about you know the human condition that's pretty pretty amazing what's your favorite Hemingway that's maybe like a deep cut I think I mean it's not a hugely deep cut but like sun also rises yeah. probably you know it's really kind of him at his most like truthful I think or or, or close to his most truthful and so really vulnerable everybody's broken you know there's no hero it's like a disaster but it's great we were talking the other day and you were talking about how you are now recognized by people on the street and you've been making movies for a long time and your name was maybe recognizable but your face wasn't and now you are that famous and you are on late night shows etc and i was thinking about how directors used to be you know in the 70s 80s they were playboys too and the paparazzi did care about what they were doing and then i guess they got canceled for dating teenagers <laughs> but um but you are kind of bringing back the spotlight to directors in a way don't you think i mean look there's a few guys probably knocking around like you know that you that you would know maybe I don't know, like if you saw Steven Spielberg, would you, at a restaurant, would you know it was him? Maybe. Would you know, like if you saw Wes Anderson, would you no. recognize no. him? Would you, <laughs> <laughs> Spike Lee, you might recognize. Yeah, but I mean, that's not, he's not like a current, I mean, I mean, I know he's current, but he's been around a while. I mean, look, I've been around, I've been making movies for 18 years. But now you're like the geek world's Brad Pitt. Right. How are you going to stay grounded? That's not hard in the geek world. <laughs> <laughs> are you interested in, in at some point in the future, doing something outside of that genre? Well, I mean, I've always, I've always kind of floated around. I mean, I don't really, I don't think I have a romantic comedy in me necessarily. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I have this, like, there, there's like a little movie that I'm going to try and do. I was supposed to be doing now. It's really small drama in South American. We're shooting in South America. Oh, cool. Um, it's like a cool little, really like raw, handheld kind of small movie. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm writing this other thing. And, you know, I was knock on wood, but like, you know, I wasn't asked back, if you will, to the superhero genre. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't play well with others, was the uh, written on my report card. I think they're kicking themselves. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could just go on and make your own superhero genre. And you've proven yourself as a really profound visionary and like obviously have a lot of integrity. And I think it's cool that this has worked out so well for you because integrity doesn't always pay off, you know? No. It's like in terms of success. No, it doesn't. Good on you. Yeah. Quit being so fountainheady. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not promoting mediocrity. I mean, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just ripping. Especially now that I, now that I know that you hate fountain, that it's going to be constant. 
And now it's I'm really like, I went down this huge rabbit hole, uh, photography rabbit hole over the pandemic and then before, and now have like gone completely insane. I'll show you. So, okay, so you know, this is a Canon dream lens, right? Whatever, everybody, a lot of people have them. You probably have one. So we rehoused those to shoot Army. I shot Army with, that's basically the lenses that I shot Army with. So the guys at Prime Optic, I was like, hey, there are these lens maker, this lens making group. So I was like, hey, is there any way you could take the that lens and make a 25 mil out of it? So they basically Whoa. just rehoused. So this is, this is my monochrome now. The only way I can look through it is to look through this, this because I can't, the eyepiece is blocked by the lens. Um, yeah, that's so, so I've cool. been going just on this like um, incredibly uh, weird down this insane rabbit hole with with this with this particular lens. Sorry, this one's empty because I've already taken all the guts out of it. So you're really into taking apart cameras right now and putting custom lenses on them. That's your that's a lot of that's a lot of that's too much time on my hands is what that is. And let's see, what's he rant? What am I, what am I hating on right now? I would say a little, I'm a little bit like, I mean, I mean, I'm into um, and excited about everyone getting back out there. And like, you know, I'm a little nervous that we're just a little, we're a little aggressive with our um, need to like, just get out and just- With a vengeance. With a vengeance. Yeah. Everyone's out with a vengeance. Roaring 20s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like crunching with a vengeance. <laughs> with a vengeance. I'm knocking on wood. Uh, and I'm hopeful that like, yes, we're all going to be awesome. So, but that's my, yeah. that's my main like hesitancy. I mean, look, who doesn't want to, I'm ready to, let's hug it out. Like, come on. It's been a while. <laughs> but on the other hand, on the other hand, we don't need to do body shots right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, one last question. Do you happen to know Shane from The Shield? Shane from The Shield. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for oh, coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I'm Googling right now. Google it. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much. That was fun. Bye. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Never Meet Your Idols. Join us next time for season three. To submit questions for us or our guests, email us at nevermeetyouridols at gmail.com. Or send us a message or voice memo on Instagram at nevermeetyouridolspodcast. Until next time, I'm Kare. And I'm Laura Mary. See, See you, you next Tuesday. Tuesday.